show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you the astrology forecast for February 16th to 22nd, 2022. And I'm super excited to be here. I'm feeling really enlivened by these transits and excited to talk about them. So in general, I think that this is a romantic week. We are in the wake of the collective observance of Valentine's Day, which is not an astrological event, but it's still in the collective field. But as far as the astrology, the moon is growing full in Leo. So there's a growing mood around Leo themes, which include romance and joy and eros and play. And then Venus and Mars link up in a conjunction in Capricorn. And this conjunction is going to last through early April. Venus and Mars will travel together through Capricorn and into Aquarius. Um, And then in early April, Venus will enter Pisces and get farther away from Mars. So the archetypal lovers join up in the sky. Venus and Mars create a spicy field that I love. We are emboldened in this field to be more upfront or revealing about our desire internally and relationally. And there's more willingness generally in the field to be expressive and affectionate. Right. And I think that even being upfront internally about desire can be such a, um, an activating thing, like not leaving it under the surface, not denying it, not disapproving of it. Um, Even the phrase like being responsible for our desire comes to mind as a Venus and Capricorn thing in terms of how are we living in alignment with the deep and true desire within us. And I think, you know, just being on a path of This is something that's been so opening to me about evolutionary astrology is that it is a a study of the soul and how the soul is evolving through desires. So since I was in my early 20s, I came into this contact with the idea that our desires are how the soul evolves. And so instead of looking at my desire as something that wasn't spiritual or, you know, desires the root of suffering or something like that. I gave myself over to my humanness alongside refining myself as a spiritual being and seeing that there is an awakening that comes through meeting the true and vulnerable desires of our hearts. And then, of course, we are all in different spaces when it comes to the heart. So this transit will filter through our consciousness uniquely. Venus and Mars coming together is a special activation around confidence and the energy to create value. There is a lot of initiative here. So think about where this would be meaningful for you to tap into this energy, or perhaps you're already feeling flooded by it. Um, This is not just limited to external acts of initiative, like reaching out to someone, asking someone out, showing your heart in a relational way. It's also an internal shift of starting an inner fire. 
I've been feeling this one in the meditation and practice of cultivating joy and aliveness as an active practice that is not dependent on external circumstances to open or awaken me, but rather is a state that I live and attract from. So before getting into our week in more detail, I have a few announcements to share with you. One is that a great way to stay in touch with me is to be on my mailing list. I send the forecasts um, every week to the mailing list as well as some exclusive content. And um, it's a great way to know about upcoming courses when my books are open. My astrology reading books are currently open. They weren't open a lot throughout 2021, um, but they are open currently. So you can find the link in the notes to book a reading with me. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video and leave a comment at some point and let me know what resonates with you. Subscribe to my channel and hit the notification bell so that you get updated when new videos come out and really leave a comment. I love hearing from you and love hearing what's going on in your world and how you're connecting to the ideas that I'm sharing. You can also find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Meteorite, a year-long course that I'm offering, and it's it's a program. It's like a think tank, a think tank, a container, kind of like a coaching space um, that is in service to astrological embodiment, voice, and craft. This is an advanced program open to alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, and it features individuals coming up with a project, the scope of which is their own design, a project meant to be an initiation, a project that serves your desires. So if you're wanting to deepen your professionalism with astrology, it may be a kind of professional up level that your project is um, an embodiment of. If you are seeking to develop a part of yourself in relationship to your natal chart and you want to kind of have a personal breakthrough, your project could be designed around that. Projects can be academic, creative, etc. And through this course... <laughs> I... <laughs> My phone just like started playing a video of my friends and I going out in Miami. So silly. Um, it's such a Venus Mars energy just showing up. But um, in Meteorite, we'll be covering a lot of new um, new ground. But one of the things, one of the meditations that will be holding us for the year is the mysteries of the fixed signs, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. The interconnections between these signs um, have fascinated me for years. They're part of my conception of abundance and wealth, um, both as a mindset and an actual um, achievement. And it's also related to things around like creative mastery, um, having, a, having a mapping of how we can create lasting change or work with our intentions and manifest how we can shake loose and kind of digest and move stagnant energies or traumas or paradigmatic blocks. The fixed signs relate to energies that are, you know, fixed. They're kind of stuck in place. And I see those blockages as, you know, what's our literacy in terms of moving blocks? The fixed signs teach me that. And then when those blocks are moved, that kind of dense, compact energy, it's kind of like 
breaking up a glow stick or something where you through breaking up that stagnant and stuck energy, that aliveness, that vitality, that energy can circulate more freely and be invested more creatively. So it's like what happens when we stop feeding some addiction, right? Or something petty or like a a tired neural pathway and reclaim that energy for something more creative, something more truly erotic to us. So um, I'm really excited about what's brewing around that. Um, The group field is also so amazing. We had um, just such a magical kind of sparkling energy around creativity. The last time this course ran, um, students created like research offerings where they were, you know, trading readings. We were talking about our transits together as a group. Um, it's truly a glittering salon. So if you've studied with me before, I welcome you to, um, send in an application. The link is in the notes. I'm looking for people that are, excited about deepening their personal relationship with astrology and embodying their craft deeper in the next year. And then the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is also open for enrollment. We're beginning again May 2nd. This will be the 10th run of this course. Um, It is a beloved course. You can see on the course page kind of student experiences of how this course reached people. I teach this uh, form of astrology, evolutionary astrology, which is about the evolutionary journey of the soul in this spirit of the love of wisdom. I see evolutionary astrology as a wisdom school. And so as we go through the foundational concepts, it is enchanting the whole way through because we're getting into kind of the mysteries of the human experience through the archetypes. Um, And so you'll find parts of your life experience and parts of yourself and all of the signs and all of the planets. And then in starting to build this deeper rapport with all of the archetypes, it literally enchants our lives. Um, In addition to this, we learn how to read the chart from the perspective of a multi-lifetime journey. So you gain an actual language for contemplating the question of what your soul has been up to in prior lifetimes. What's your dharma in this lifetime? And it just adds this really deep layer of soul making. It's been an unrelenting adventure in my life to speak this language and to kind of understand my life through this lens. I understand my life through multiple lenses, of course. Uh, Astrology, it's important for me to keep it interdisciplinary, but evolutionary astrology has been one of the most opening bodies of knowledge that has connected me to so much richness in this life. Um, so I absolutely love teaching this course and invite you if you like these transmissions, if you connect with the forecasts, if you're wanting to become closer to astrology, like kind of get astrology or be able to synthesize astrological information more intuitively, more fluidly. Um, I invite you to this course as well. The link to enroll and learn more is in the notes too. And with that, I will get back into sharing about the week. On February 16th, Mars in 16 degrees of Capricorn conjuncts Venus in 16 degrees of Capricorn at 6.28 a.m. Pacific. 
So there's a lot of drive and motivation, Mars, available for Venusian topics right now, which can look like art making and artistic expression, pursuing and building new relationship, sharing fire in existing relationships, fitness inspired by feeling good or looking good, the pursuit of beauty, luxury and pleasure and performance. This motivation and drive combined with Venus could also look like enhanced self-esteem or confidence that comes from the willingness or intention to step up. With Mars and Venus in Capricorn specifically, there may be a strength around follow through or actually committing to concrete acts that relate to our values. And naturally this can bolster self-esteem because we see ourselves acting with integrity. Right. So some of this self-esteem is kind of like a product of seeing ourselves be um, in commitment to what we deeply care about. And there's something that is powerful about that. And then even just energetically, Venus and Mars together can bring that element of confidence to Venus or self-esteem and self-image. There may be kind of more opportunities right now in the field in internal inspiration and information that you're picking up around cultivating greater confidence. Um, I, I think confidence is so important. Like maybe it's an Aries thing. Maybe it's like first house planets kind of thing, but there's just a openness, um, that it creates to life and to, um, giving ourselves fully to life. Um, you know, there's times where we don't, we don't access the opportunities that are available because we don't believe in ourselves or don't believe in life. And we have that kind of sense of, um, you know, like we're not putting it on the line. And I think that confidence creates that sense of like what it's like to take meaningful risks and to feel good about yourself. Even if you don't win or things don't go out, like go the way that you planned, you still feel this sense of, gratification and that you, you made an effort that you had the courage. Um, and I think with practice, with confidence as a way of life, it's just kind of like, I don't know, like main character energy kind of vibe, um, where it's like, you get to really live out the mythos and story of your life. So why not, you know, invest energy in cultivating confidence then Venus and Mars are now at the start of a new cycle together, which means this moment is full of possibility and a new evolutionary cycle is beginning between Venus and Mars. Capricorn, however, relates to what is established. It could be a family business that is generations in the making or a craft we are extremely skilled at because we've put in thousands of hours. It's possible that there is something that is stoking our fascination at the moment that we feel we should be brilliant at. Um, like a new painter wanting to create a masterpiece right away, a new dancer wanting to be like someone who's been doing it for years. There could be a strong energy of entitlement in the field at the moment in the form of, I should be good at this without practice or building up to it. I think a lot of us can relate to that sense of kind of when we're new to something, but our self-concept is that we want to be the best at what we do, but we literally are so new at something that we're not the best yet. And that kind of sense of um, cognitive dissonance between our expectation of self and what's actually happening. 
And sometimes the discomfort of being new or unskilled is enough to hinder a person from doing something new at all, especially if they're skilled in other areas, like why start over? Um, The activation of Venus and Mars together, though, might offer beginner's mind motivation. Mars and Capricorn can be an especially competent placement and speak to the places we've already developed significant mastery, but it can also relate to the vitality of being new and the willingness to see the course. So when I think about Venus and Mars in Capricorn in a new phase together, I do think there may be kind of like an effulgent uh, expression of some talents and skills we've already built. So we're starting something new, but we're bringing in this history of something we've already built, as well as the sense that a new form of expression, a new kind of confidence, a new skill is calling us and we're very very new at it, but that kind of Capricorn consciousness is like, I, I want to be competent. I want to be dialed in. I want to be excellent. Right. And so, um, working with the motivation that's present in the field right now to kind of overcome that sense of not being willing to start something new because we're not instantly good at it. And then another, I want to share a quote, um, that I feel, on another note also speaks to this Venus, Mars, and Capricorn energy. And this quote is from Eli Marcus, who writes posts um, that I first started seeing on Facebook. Um, I have one of his books in the mail, I'm excited. Um, But I pretty much love everything he says and writes. Um, So this quote, I just felt really connected to this transit's energy. So he says, how would it impact your psychology, behavior, and life results if you primarily thought to yourself and operated in an energy of, I am here to be a producer of blessings and miracles. I am the value producer. I am here to level up people, places, and things with my existence. I am the plug for value and amazing life experiences. Instead of operating in an energy of, I am here to beg, wait on, and receive blessings and miracles. Somebody needs to give me something. Somebody owes me something. People are not doing enough for me. And that's from Eli Marcus. I really um, just feel that in the sense of Capricorn is a provider. And Venus and Mars together, there is a sense of initiative. And so... um, Venus is like how we like to receive, right? And Mars tends to be like how we put ourselves out there. And so this initiative around literally generating value um, just feels like a really rich kind of meditation and opportunity right now. And then we have the full moon in 27 degrees of Leo, same day, 8.56 a.m. Pacific. And the sun and the moon will square the nodal axis in Scorpio and Taurus at the time of this lunation, which is a field day for me because I'm obsessed with the fixed signs and the grand fixed cross. So we have this, you know, sun in Aquarius, moon in Leo, and then the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio and the lunation axis squaring the nodes. So for this interpretation, I've reflected on the meanings of the tarot cards associated with the third decan of all of these signs. Um, 
as they're all represented here in the lunation. And the third decan, uh, decans are basically that the astrological signs are divided into three, the first 10 degrees, the second 10 degrees, and the third. Um, and so when we have planets at 27 degrees um, or they're in, you know, close to the end, they're in the third decan, decan starting with, you know, 20 degrees. Anyway, um, I was looking at the seven of swords for the sun, seven of wands for the moon, seven of cups for the south node in Scorpio and seven of pentacles for the north node in Taurus. And I'm not going to necessarily get into all of those cards. I just wanted to throw that out there for the tarot adept. I will talk about some of the cards. So as I was kind of swirling these things around, here's what came through for me. Uh, a potential crisis and potential liberation around creativity. Leo, there are certain moments in life where we are connected to universal energy. We are in a profound flow of genius, a joyful chapter of life. We feel deeply connected to our pursuits, connected to our soul, even in the presence of struggle, which can feel itself meaningful. These are chapters of our lives we privilege as special. They may be connected to times we traveled, times we were in particular special relationships, or times where our creativity was especially activated such as when we made a great work. It's this great season of life. This high can inverse into a subsequent low. The winds of universal energy that curate such a magnificent time in life change. We are no longer in the special relationship. The fire has gone out. We are no longer inspired by the particular artistic medium that we spent so much time with. We no longer live in a particular place. Our body has changed, etc. Any number of factors that kind of take us out of that special chapter. Now, some people have a certain ease about transitioning from one moment of life to the next to the next and bless them. You know, that that's a mutable skill for the fixed people, for the fixies. Um, there is a sense of things getting locked, right? And so one form of this is that um, sometimes we hang on to grief and sadness. We have a hard time letting go and opening up to happiness again. Sometimes we also freeze a particular vision of happiness and have a hard time letting it go and feel a grief of the inevitable passing of time, the inevitable flux of life, right? There's a sense of gripping and the fixed signs can do that. So a major trapping here is when we freeze the perfection of the past as a template to try to follow again or a metric to assess our current life by. We can never have it back. I felt grief when I wrote that. So that's okay too, if that feeling is there. Um, the trap though, is that we can't have, or the trap though, is not that we can't have the old moment back. The trap is that our consciousness is bound to the expectation that we should recreate the same thing. Thinking back to those highs that we grieve, those magical special moments of the past, 
were an erotic effulgence of a full participation with that moment and that season uniquely. Those heightened moments were originals, not duplicates. So I want to share a quote here from Martin Shaw um, from his book, Snowy Tower. This time when we have fallen from the path, when there seems to be no way, is often a reopening to a deep experience of the soul. Many old teachers suggest that we cannot revisit the garden by quite the same path we once did. The drums can no longer provide what they did as a young boy. C.S. Lewis used this mythic staple beautifully in his books for children. You can't keep finding the other world through the back of the wardrobe. So keep your eyes open for other doorways. Stay curious. Okay, so the Seven of Swords. Um, I love this Art Nouveau deck. Um, shows a person walking away with a bundle of swords. The card and the decan associated with it relate to a deep critique of the situation, paradigm, world, and either walking away from it, so abandoning the situation, or code switching or being deceitful to be part of the situation. Whereas the Seven of Wands depicts a man fighting off opposition and holding his ground. There's this kind of man on a hill with his stick. Um, the Seven of Swords evades or uses cunning to deal with conflict, whereas the Seven of Wands is an open fight. And to reflect on these images as mascots of the full moon, so we have Seven of Swords here as the sun, illuminating the moon as represented by the seven of wands. So that sense of cunning and deceit illuminating uh, maybe this more kind of coming out into the open Leo visibility. So to reflect on these images as mascots of the full moon at an inner level, there may be some dynamic of realizing what we are walking away from or feel in rejection of and simultaneously activating our fight in the name of a higher value or aspiration. For example, if we bring it back to the magical or special chapter in life that has passed, there's the process of leaving it behind. We see it as futile to cling on to it. We cannot have that exact moment back. It is past. And then there's the gathering of life force to aspire again. There is not necessarily a fight in a traditional sense of having an enemy, but there is a process of standing up for something important. If we miss or grieve the zest for life that we had in a previous chapter that we no longer have access to and we want to reclaim that emotional state, we have to find a new path into that space. This is a fight energy in the sense that it is not just surrendering to ultimate loss, but it is a galvanized state of aspiring once again. We might consider it a kind of courage of the heart apt for a full moon in Leo. So this is a kind of complex idea and I want to anchor it in a little bit more in the sense that there is space, I think, for actually just being with the layer of grief. But the fixed signs and in my own experience of having a lot of fixed energy in my chart, when it becomes a kind of 
search for a phantom energy, like going down the same old path, hoping for the riches, hoping for the magic and just being grieved again and again that reaching out to the phantom source of abundance and joy and liveliness is yielding nothing. Right. Or that sense of missing. Oh, I used to feel this certain way or I was so open in this time in my life or something like that, that there is a depressive energy to that. There is um, a true layer of grief in that. And there's also a distortion layer. And I think that coming into this space of actually, no, let me like stand up for this energy, this emotion that I am yearning for, what my true desire is, and actually cultivate my life around that and get into this more activated place after realizing that I won't have that old chapter back, the relationship is gone, um, that special season of life has passed. But where is that play, that original kind of spontaneous improvised connection to the moment and the riches of the moment. How can I claim that now in this landscape with who I am now? So that's kind of how I'm interpreting these cards connected to this moon and also considering the full moon squaring the Taurus Scorpio axis and Taurus Scorpio nodes have so much to do with our emotional attachments and addictions, as well as our um, deeper cultivation of abundance and resourcefulness. So is it not a profound layer to the drama of life um, that we do not just grieve bad things that happen, we grieve the end of special chapters. This fallen place turns us in on a space within ourselves where we wrestle with our desire and our will to create magic once again in a new way. I'm really um, not very far in the course of miracles, uh, but I think I remember hearing that there's an idea within it that there is no such thing as special relationship, that this is a um, category that we create in the mind. And I think that there is something, you know, something I'm reflecting on that with that where these moments that we really privilege and feel just like are so joyful and are so amazing are deep. It's really just deep connection and openness with what is. And then if we get stuck and locked into a mental identification with that being the thing, that being the portal, then as life naturally changes and the winds change and new experiences come up and other experiences fall away, um, we feel like we've lost when really we've lost touch with like the Tao or the flow of how Eros is wanting to move through because we've frozen it in a moment of time. And then February 17th, Jupiter in 11 degrees of Pisces will sextile Uranus in 11 degrees of Taurus at 4.13 p.m. Pacific. This is a very supportive transit for feeling a sense of awe Jupiter and Uranus come together as quantum leaps. See Cosmos and Psyche by Rick Tarnas for more on that. Um, these two planets come together as dramatic advancement of knowledge or insight that can feel so awakening and exciting and kind of healing and faith renewing even. We're just like that big, like, wow, kind of energy. The sextile is a subtle aspect and is activated more with intention than it stands alone as an inevitable energy. 
So this basically means, you know, if you're wanting to feel that sense of awe and like quantum leaps that, um, have an intention, do a practice, these things, it's not necessarily like the awakening just drops upon us one day. Like sometimes it, it does appear that way, you know, or we have a transit or that's just kind of a faded alignment, but there is also the practices that open up a deeper receptivity to the magic of the universe. So that's what the sextile is saying is like, do a practice, meditate, um, have intentions, create the opening, don't just expect it. Um, along these lines, I recently got back into a practice of deciding when I wake up that it's going to be an amazing day and then anchoring into gratitude and reflection of the day before going to sleep. And it's this kind of, um, almost like neural training or something. Cause right when I wake up, I remember to set the intention. And when I'm like hitting the pillow at the end of the day, it's, a remembrance of, oh, what am I grateful for? And there's this kind of weaving that occurs within that. Um, I love this practice because it's a timeline jump. My days do drastically become more magical, delightful, and rich. And when I do this every day, when I'm like 40 days or more in, it's like things get um, amazing. <laughs> I remember one of the last times I did this practice, I was deciding every day, that it was going to be, you know, a great day. And then many days into the practice, one day I woke up and it just hit me like today literally is profound. I actually just have to open my heart to it. Um, and so I think of this practice, it's very simple, but it is a kind of tantric opening practice. And then with Taurus and Pisces, it also feels very yin and receptive, both feminine signs and could relate to the expansion we might feel when we choose to dance and really feel the dance in our bodies um, at a deeper register than normal. Like we feel our tissues and our ligaments and feel like subtle energy coursing through us. Um, or when we practice visualization and enter deeper channels of our consciousness than we would normally touch. It is the energy of cooking a beautiful meal and then eating slowly, really taking everything in. Like Taurus and Pisces together is just like an enchanted, lush, sexy, delicious garden. It's a really beautiful combination. So when Taurus and Pisces come together, the dream Pisces can feel more tactile and concrete Taurus. And we might anchor the dream, bring it down. The tactile earth body realm can become more magical because we sensitize ourselves to it. With tenderness toward ourselves, we can also dissolve and heal stagnant layers of our experience by meeting them and unraveling them. Like when we're curious and present with an aspect of our inner life instead of rejecting it immediately, and we actually give it time and attention to unfurl in its process. This has been a huge teaching that has come through through the example and teachings of my friend, Carla Palomino, who teaches embodiment and teaches about meeting each layer with intimacy and presence, as opposed to trying to just, you know, get past the numbness or get past the, the hardness around the heart, but actually greeting each layer and in that process, allowing it to kind of um, gently 
move, but it's not just through bulldozing. It's like there is a, a slowness with Taurus, a sensuality, a presence with what is. And then on February 18th, the sun enters Pisces. I didn't delineate it because there was so much already to say about the other things, but I may add some thoughts on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch later in the week. No promises, but um, I might. And let's see. I think that um, I just felt so inspired by the transits this week. I felt inspired by the ways that I've seen them in the field and um, the, the meditation on kind of like grieving something special that has passed. Um, that's something that I really felt from the transits and the decans and the tarot cards, but it's also a, a lesson that I feel like I've been working with for years um, in terms of having these glimpses of paradise, having these big highs, and then integrating what happens after. Um, because it's like such a high voltage experience. It's so um, magnetic, so deep in love, so much fun, like just big, big, big experiences. And I was never content to just return to life as though that was just a thing that um, happened. And, you know, life is sometimes like that, whatever, move on. It was like, no, this level of feeling, this level of aliveness, this Eros um, has awakened and changed me. And how do I integrate that? And I've had some really clunky or kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's something like clunky, um, experiences of just not necessarily having the tools or the insight to, to move through some of those, um, some of the passing of that energy. How do I want to say that? Like, not having the tools to alchemize, right? And so getting into places of seeking knowledge, studying tantric practices, um, learning about visualization and creating my dream life and manifestation. Like I've had these highs and then have had to figure out in the aftermath, how do I connect back with that energy? Not locking into the exact form, but actually connecting with the deeper um, energy inside of it. And I think what I've learned um, is that Eros is a thread, Eros is a pulse. So that sense of being deeply alive and really receiving the magic of life and feeling completely lit up by it and so connected to the moment is not about the experiences that we deem magical or amazing themselves. It's our connection to life. It's the sense of openness and relationality that we have. It's the, um, the way that we feel. And when I, you know, I posted something on Instagram 
uh, you can find it there at Sabrina Monarch with the um, Ten of Cups, the Rainbow Band of Cups, and just some thoughts I've been working with around there's like the level of spiritual awakening so when you first experience magic and synchronicity and you know that the universe is alive and you don't just want that to happen you know every now and then or feel like you don't have access to magic and so when i felt that way i started to develop this practice of prayer and you know learning about law of attraction or like learning about spiritual practices and starting to Um, build my way every day to that level of experience where magic became abundant again. And similarly, when it came to big experiences of falling in love in my mid twenties and then, you know, losing those portals, like the connection with the other person and losing what opened in my life from that, it really turned me in on this educational process of like, how can that energy of openness, that energy of just being in love, that energy of being in love with life be contacted? And I feel like Uranus and Taurus as a transit is so much about embodiment. It's so much about the the revolutions of our inner world and the way that we um, source from within Taurus, like self-reliance. But Uranus is this... Um, surprising kind of out of the ordinary transpersonal planet. So when it comes to having any of these really special or high experiences, the things, you know, that we end up touching to when we are in approval of our desire and are open to Uh, living in relationship with that core truth within us. When we have those magical experiences, I think that they are kind of educators of a frequency. And then after the original strike of lightning, the original falling in love, the original Cupid's bow through the heart, whatever it is, we find our way back to that enchanted garden, not through the same portal necessarily, but we cultivate our own resourcefulness of being in contact with that energy, being an embodiment of that energy. And that's not something that I have experienced happening overnight. Um, these have been cultivation processes that take time. Taurus is a fixed earth sign. You know, it's like when you plant something and it's days before it even sprouts just a little bit, you know, and the years before it becomes a tree. And so in whatever we're doing, you know, for me, astrology is one of my main spiritual practices, but I like to keep my astrology interdisciplinary because it's also important to me to like study EFT and clear trauma from my body or, um, learn about like embodiment practices so I can awaken Eros and aliveness in myself or, you know, study the tarot so I can open up new neural pathways of enchantment and make new connections. There's something about a steadiness here of how we are um, creating excitement and aliveness, creating magic in a cultivated, like, even like a slow burn kind of way. 
So I'm going to leave it there and just ask again, please like this video, definitely leave a comment. Let me know what resonated with you, how you're doing, um, what's awakening within you around your fire, like where you're feeling that sense of initiative, um, what's inspiring you or what's exciting you currently. I would love to hear about it and I'll see you again soon.